This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. (laughs) That was a slow intro. And welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as everyone's gathered here and our campus over in Stevens Point. And all those sitting at home, I guess, can stay seated. (laughs) But let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith, and this is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning again to all of you over in Stevens Point. You're now joining uh, this week as well. We're glad that you are part of uh, getting back in church again. I got to tell you, it's quite the thrill at this point to recite the Apostles' Creed and actually hear people in the room with me. After two months of nothing. Um, uh, Our Appleton campus is still without a home because they're tied to the school system and who knows when they're going to open back up again. We're actually looking this week at maybe a new building in Appleton that we won't be uh, uh, stuck to the school system. So we'll see about that. Pray for us about that, that that'll come together. We're excited about that possibility. Uh, Before we go much further, we'll take our, our offering uh, those of you who are watching online, and by the way, most of you are still watching online, which is perfectly fine for us. No guilt, no condemnation. It's all good. All right. But uh, we've got uh, a few hundred here this morning. It's getting a little bigger, and we'll just see how it keeps going. <laughs> and I want to thank the uh, faithfulness of the church. It's been amazing uh, that not only are we not behind, we're actually ahead of where we were at this time last year financially in the midst of all this craziness, which is stunning to me, and I'm very, very grateful. So continue to be faithful. Uh, So those of you online, go to the whatever tab to be able to click online. Those of you who give uh, by phone, and that can include a lot of you here, just take your phone and send a message to 77977. That's the number you're going to text to, 77977, and then the message type CCWI and the amount you want to give. All right, so you can do that right now. And for those of you who are, uh, want to give by check, and actually a lot of people have still been given by check. Every week they have gone out of their way to write out a check, put it in the mail, 
and we receive it uh, early in the week. And thank you for your faithfulness there. If you brought your checks with you this morning, there's a uh, buckets or whatever out there about the guest services, and you can drop that off there this morning. And again, thank you for your continued faithfulness as we continue to grow as a church and believe God's going to do great things. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So, I, I got to kick out how loud you are, people, right now. Is uh, We need to be quarantined more often because now you're just, just, they're singing louder and clapping louder and more amen than I've heard in 15 years. Hallelujah. So, I'm good with that. This is good to get out of the house. Hallelujah. Right? I normally don't do this, but praise the Lord. You know, and uh, we're glad, <laughs> glad that you are uh, here with us this morning. Uh, obviously, everything's open. I'm still encouraging people to be respectful of people's space. Uh, now, it's hard for us to know who is and who is not, have not been hanging out together during this time. Uh, in our culture today, we're very tribal. Uh, we live in different places, and most people don't even know the names of their neighbors anymore because we're not so much based on geography. We're based on what we, continue, what we would call tribal people we know and related to and stuff like that. Those are the people that we hang out with. And some have hung out very closely for the last couple of weeks, a couple of months, actually. Uh, the uh, Capwells and the Bazells and us, we've been practically living in each other's house for the last two months. So we hug each other all the time. We know we are bug-free, or at least we all share the same bugs at this point. <laughs> so if you see us hugging, hey, they're hugging. That's because we're cool with it. We know who we are. And so we don't know who, whatever. But if you haven't been hanging with people, Give them some space. In, in our particular case, uh, Deanna's dad that uh, we've been seeing a couple times a week is, uh, is elderly, 80 years old, uh, underlying health issues, and will be going for surgery in the next week or two. So don't hug us. All right? So uh, it's not that we don't love you. We love you all. Just stay away. So anyway, because we have to go see him. These are the people who are at risk, the elderly, those with underlying health issues and stuff like that. In a normal world, those are the people who are quarantined. What great, brilliant mind came up with that all the healthy people should be quarantined, I haven't quite figured that out. But that's what we've been dealing with for two months. Thank God it is over. Amen. Hallelujah. At least for the time being. Are they, are they working to bring it back? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Representative John Mako was here this morning. Give him a hand. Yeah, he's been fighting to... Uh, Fighting intensely to make sure that churches can gather. The president this week actually made us officially essential. Yeah. I got news for you. Everybody's essential. All right. The only non-essential businesses are the ones that belly up. Okay. Now, uh, anyway, glad that's all passed. So easy with the uh, hugging stuff if you don't have been hanging close to people. Uh, and just remind you that... Uh, our kids' ministries and stuff are not functioning right now. Uh, socially distancing children will be like herding cats. So I, I don't know how long before that'll happen. We're making this up as we go, right? So who knows? Well, that means there'll be kids in the service with us, and sometimes kids make noise. Uh, if they get really loud, just be nice and take them out back, and there's places you can go and you can still hear and stuff. But that doesn't really bother me. To me, it's the signs of life. It is, you know? It's... Where there are no ox, the Bible says, the stall is clean. 
but great increase in strength comes from the strength of the ox. See? Uh, and uh, it's just it's life. People gather together. It's life. Sometimes kids and everything else. Life gets a little messy sometimes. A little loud. I think it's great. You know, it's the poo of life. So if some little rugrat starts screaming at the top of the lungs, I don't panic. Try not to panic. If you have a little demon-possessed monster doing that, uh, get up and go to the back. <laughs> but whatever, it's your call. So anyway, it might be a little loud. That's all right. We love children. Somebody say amen. amen. Outbreed the pagans, I say. Praise the Lord. So, all right. Today is, uh, in the Christian calendar, is traditionally referred to as Ascension Sunday, when Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, technically, it was on Thursday. Who figures this stuff out? I have no idea. And I really don't care. But we know it happened. And uh, we're going to be referring to that in a minute uh, in our message this morning. But I want to start with a John, the 17th chapter, uh, the Gospel of John. This is uh, it's an interesting thing. It's the longest prayer that Jesus prayed that's recorded. And uh, John apparently overhears this prayer and, and writes it all down. And, uh, and he shares it with us. It says, after Jesus had spoken these words, he started to pray. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. See, he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem to be crucified and to rise again from the dead. Uh, since you have given him authority, talking about himself, over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And he says, and I'm uh, not asking you to take them out of the world. So he's praying for his uh, uh, followers. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. You have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And he continues to pray as we're jumping along here. Verse 20, now he starts to pray for all of us. And he says, my prayer is not just for them alone, his disciples, the people that he's been with for the last three years. But I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that would be us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So now he's talking about something that is going to be happening uh, that's going to be really different. They've been talking a lot about the new normal in this country. I think what a lot of people's version of new normal sounds a little nuts to me. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, every day is new. And that's normal. So, uh, but, but this is a new normal that he's preparing for. Today is about preparing for the new normal. Now, Jesus has been just talking to them about what this is going to look like. So we're going to back up a little bit. It says, after he'd spoken these words, what words? Here's some of the words. John, the 15th chapter. He's talking to his disciples. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Uh, we were just up nort yesterday. <laughs> By the way, spring is kind of here now, which is a wonderful thing, just in time for summer, <coughs> which is a, which most of you people in the world have no idea. You guys don't have any idea. 
The rest of the world has been enjoying spring for the last two months. Not to depress you, but it's true. All right? Wisconsin doesn't really have spring. We have two weeks of, and then summer starts. All right? And that's it. What we have is summer, which is a great summer. People all over the world come to Wisconsin in the summer. We have a beautiful fall. We certainly have a long winter. And then we have months of mud. And then we have two weeks of spring, and then it begins. So anyway, we were up north, as we like to say, yesterday, and uh, property up there and driving around in ATVs. And, uh, and there's branches all over the place that get knocked down because of the wind or whatever, stuff like that. And boy, if there's one thing about a branch that gets knocked off the tree is it withers and dies. There's no life on its own. Uh, it makes great kindling wood for starting fires, but it's just, they're just all over the place. As soon as it disconnects from the tree, it withers up, dries up, and dies. Even though it's surrounded by life all around it, it is no longer connected to the source. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, guys, I am the branch. You, I am the tree. You're the branches. As long as you're connected to me and drawing life from me, there will be life in you. But if you disconnect, you will dry up and blow away and get thrown into the fire. Verse 7, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So this new normal he's talking about that is coming is not so much, you know, up to this point, it's been, you know, we're here and God's way out there somewhere. He's way out there. And they would come and say, oh, thou most merciful God, hear us as well, we pray. And there just seemed to be just massive gap between people and God. Jesus said, something's new coming where we're going to be connected. I'm part of my father. My father is in me. But remember what Jesus prayed. Father, that all of those who believe in me will also be part of that connection. We actually are connected to the life of God by faith through Jesus Christ. It's no longer about God being far, far away. God is right here with us right now. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in the midst, I am right there with them. In the spiritual sense, we are directly connected to God himself. And uh, we can go directly to God. We don't need to set up an appointment with an angel or his mom or anybody else. We can go directly to God. Thank God for that, because we are connected to that. Now, he says, so if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you are part of this life source. Uh, Peter writes about this life source, and, and all the apostles write about it in, in the New Testament. Various versions of this. One I think is applicable today. Peter writes in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You're part of this life source. Don't walk around freaking out about stuff. Sometimes people get filled with anxiety. And if there's been a time ever in this country where people have been anxious, it's certainly been the last several months. And understandably so. But even in the midst of this, uh, we don't know what's going on. And I understand there's a certain degree of uncertainty, but we don't have to feel anxious and fearful about things. Now, I have a lovely wife who, who loves to be a shotgun seat driver. Now, you've heard of a backseat driver. That's nothing compared to the shotgun seat driver. It's much more intense. And uh, she, <laughs> she's constantly freaking out about this, that, and the other. And we're going over a bridge. She goes, ah! she's convinced. I'm going to send us over the side and we're going to pledge to our death. Now, I've been around for a while and I haven't done that yet. But you wouldn't know that based on the conversations in our car. 
And so she says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I just giggle. I just, you know. I said, I'm fine. You know, someday you'll save my life. <laughs> I'm sorry I do that. She says, no, I shouldn't be so anxious. I shouldn't be so anxious. But that's, that's what anxiousness does to you. Now, generally, she's not an anxious person, except when I'm driving, apparently. But, uh, it's, it's, but there's a great sense of, of lack of control, right? You, you can't control. I don't have that problem. When I'm riding with somebody else, I just, I don't. I could fall asleep in two minutes sitting in a car. I just, I just, this is the way I am. Um, I've flown with people uh, uh, in airplanes and stuff. And as soon as I get in the plane sitting next to the pilot, I'm also a pilot, but even before I was that, I would be flying along and I just fall asleep because there's this, I'm gone, okay? And uh, I was flying with a friend once who, who had its own helicopter, which that's nice, but uh, I don't have that, but he, you know, we went to lunch in his helicopter. So he picks me up, and we're flying around, and I pass out, you know. And uh, when I finally wake up, he says, thank you for that. I said, I said, what? He says, most people are so afraid when we're flying in helicopters or airplanes. They're just like this the whole time. Because, you know, every little bump. By the way, those of you who fly and you freak out when it's a bump, it don't mean nothing. John's a pilot, right? It doesn't mean anything. Any more than you're driving a car and you go over a bump. I don't think most of you go, ah! unless you're Deanna and I'm driving, all right? But uh, <clears throat> you don't think anything of it. It doesn't mean, it just means it's a bump. The wings are not going to fall off, I promise you, all right? Oh. I hope it never falls off. <laughs> I guess anything's possible. What do I know, right? But, uh, you know, my experience over low these many years, I've never seen wings fall off. Uh, so anyway... Uh, there's this sense of anxiety, and, and, and the, these guys, man, thanks for, that's such a, that's the, one of the greatest compliments to a pilot, is, we talk about that, is when, you're, when they're flying and the person next to them falls asleep, because that means no fear, total confidence in, in the person who's, who's driving, whatever. Anyway, this is kind of the way we should be walking with God in our life. Uh, we, we have a sense of, we don't have to be afraid. He has controls, all right? What's that song? Jesus, take the wheel? Yeah, don't do that. All right? If you're driving, hang on to the wheel. All right? But in a spiritual sense, he has the wheel. All right? So he's taking care of us and watching over us and protecting us. Blah, 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 blah. So we don't have to be anxious. What does anxious mean? I look at all the words that were connected to anxious. Agitation, anxiousness, apprehension, care, concern, disquiet, fear, nervousness, sweat, unease, worry. I just described half of you right there, all right? Uh, and it is what it is, but listen, you need to be connected. If you really get connected to the source, because part of the life source that comes through is a sense of peace, and it is what it is. Well, Pastor, I don't have much peace. Man, you need to plug in. You need to plug in, because if you get plugged in, you will find a sense of peace falling over you. And, and here's the reality. Uh, in a very true sense, God does control and watches over your life. You say, well, my life sucks. Well, everybody's life sucks at some point. That's why this is not heaven. This is sucks, okay? <laughs> it is, you know. I'm shocked at people that are shocked that life sucks. And I think, where have you been? <laughs> you know, this is life, you know. Everything doesn't go. So he's not promising everything's going to go perfectly. In fact, 
He did the opposite. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. How many of you have been there, right? Trouble, trouble, we got trouble. We got trouble right here in River City. How many of you know that musical? All the old people raise their hands, right? So, so uh, what was it? Uh, the Music Man. Yeah. You should watch that movie. She can't stay asleep in movies. I mean, she can't stay awake in movies. She falls asleep. <clears throat> so apparently, she's confident I'm not going to blow up the building while we're watching a movie. So I, I just... I guess there's a compliment in there somewhere. <laughs> what it is, I don't care what you're watching. So anyway, oh, but it's a great movie. We got, everybody's got trouble. Everybody's got the good news. Jesus says, as I have overcome the world. Amen. All right? And James wrote and says, count it pure joy when everything in your life goes wrong. <laughs> now, I got you, most people don't do that. But you start understanding how this works, you can start doing that. Even in the midst of everything, oh, this sucks, but... Okay? It's going to be okay because we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us because we are connected to him. This is this new normal that he's talking about. Now, the disciples, I'm pretty sure at this point, had no idea what he's talking about. They had gotten to the point they didn't know what he was saying. I mean, he's literally telling them at this point, we're going to Jerusalem. Yeah. They're going to arrest me and kill me. Yeah. And then I'll raise on the third day. Yeah. They go to Jerusalem, he gets arrested, and they, ah, and they freak. Now, he tells them over and over again, this is what's going to happen. When it happens, they are shocked and appalled and just I can't believe it. It's like they just, just, they couldn't grasp anything he's saying. And I'm pretty sure they aren't grasping this at this point, about this new normal that is coming. So now let's take a look at this uh, ascension thing that happens. This is an Acts, the first chapter uh, verse, verse 1. So he starts out writing this book, uh, the book of Acts. It's written by one guy, and his name is Luke. He's the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. How do we know this? Because in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he writes to this guy named Theophilus. And he says, Theophilus, I want to tell you all about the life of Jesus. So that's what the book of Luke is about. So now <clears throat> we pick it up here, and what he says is, in the first book, Theophilus... I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning. <coughs> so, what, this is, he's continuing to the sky. And now Luke is the author of what happens, uh, of, of everything that's going on in the book of Acts. So, I wrote to you about <coughs> everything Jesus did until the day when he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over the course of 40 days. So uh, after he's raised from dead for 40 more days, he's still down here. And he's appearing to the disciples. He's got popping in and popping out, you know, which would give me a heart attack. But he was doing this. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he gives them these final orders. He orders them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. This is what I've been talking about. This is the new normal that is coming our way. It's about here that frogs start kicking in. Ah. <laughs> it's not COVID. It's just me. All right. <clears throat> Where am I? Uh, this is what he said. You've heard from me. 
For John baptized you with water, but now you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So now you would think, okay, this is what I've been talking about. Don't go anywhere. The Holy Spirit's going to come in a few days. You would think that would be at the top of their minds. <clears throat> no, because it's them. And uh, so they came together and they said, so Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, to remember, from a Jewish perspective, their whole focus on the Messiah has been the conquering Messiah, which he's still going to be when he comes the second time. But they don't quite grasp all this at this point. They're just thinking, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, this new normal that's coming. And they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do we win now? Is this when it's going to happen? He raised from the dead. This has got to be it, right? We're going to wrap this thing up. And Jesus says to them, <clears throat> It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, it's none of your business when this is going to happen. And then he brings them back to the point again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up in a cloud and a, a lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So he said, and they're all staring at this. And it says, while he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, clearly angels. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? Be, because we don't see this every day. <clears throat> I mean, why? What do you mean, why? All of a sudden, oh, I'd be looking. Did you see that? Did you see that? Wow. And they're staring at this. And I said, hey, what are you looking up for? He says, this Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, you have to understand, it's a statement like this that makes these guys absolutely convinced Jesus is coming back right away, right? What are you looking for? He's coming right back. When, when Jesus says, I'm coming back, they thought he's, you know, going to Quick Trip and, and grabbing some milk and coming back. They had, they, no way did they think, we'd still be here 2,000 years later, I guarantee you. This was beyond any comprehension they ever had. But from God's perspective, time is just, eh. It's all the same, right? It's all just a blur. And he says, don't worry, he's going to come back. So when they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day journey away, when they had entered the city, they went into the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of James, not Judas Iscariot. He was gone by that point. <clears throat> All these were certain, or were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as Jesus' brothers. So now they're all huddled together. They followed his instructions. He told them, don't go anywhere. And he said, a new thing's coming. It's going to be transformational. It's going to make this thing, and it's going to blow the lid off of the top of this thing. 
which is what happens. They go into the world and in incredible short period of time, Christianity stood the world up on its head and changed the world. It was dramatic and still changing to this very day, changing people's lives, transforming people's lives out of the kingdom of darkness into the glorious kingdom of light, teaching us about how we can experience this life flow that comes directly from him into us and back to him. There is this connection that is constantly going on if we'll get connected. And all of this is made possible by the Holy Spirit, which at this point, they have no idea what this means. What they finally got was, let's wait. Let's wait. And this new normal is coming. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what that new normal looks like in great detail. So stay tuned. Some of you literally. All right. So I'm done for today. That was just, that was just setting you up for next Sunday. So this time we're going to uh, have our time of communion. Invite our musicians to come back out wherever they are. Come out, come out wherever you are. Here they come. Give them a hand. All right, here we go. Now we're turning our attention to what all of this is about. All of this becomes possible because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. That's what we celebrate when we take communion together. But the Bible tells us before we do this, we're supposed to examine ourselves. Where are we at? And this is where every Sunday we just pray, pray a general prayer of forgiveness. Where are you at with your experience in your faith this week? Have you been full of anxiousness? Are you, are you dying on the vine? If you're dying and you're drying up, it's because you're not connected anymore. Maybe you need to get reconnected again this morning. Now, maybe you said things that you shouldn't have said, done things you shouldn't have done, didn't do things you should have done. We're all experiencing this at some level because we're still in this world. Well, before we take communion, the Bible says, let's examine ourselves. And I'm going to pray a general prayer of forgiveness for all of us. And so if you bow your heads, and let me pray this prayer for all of us here. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to your scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, things that we've done by things we've left undone. If we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray that you would have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins, strengthening us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as our heads are bowed and people are in an attitude of reflection, if you're new to faith, you've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I want to encourage you right now, quietly in your own words, just ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life. Whether you're sitting here in the congregation this morning, or if you're part of our congregation that's watching online, or you're part of our greater church all over the world, and you found us, for some reason or other online and you've been watching and listening if you'd like to experience this wonderful grace that we're talking about 
Just ask Christ into your life right now. See what he does. See what glorious things happen when you get plugged into the vine and the power of that grace.